Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. This is our combination episodes going from episode 36 to 41 in our series on inflation, interest rates, and how all of them are linked to corporate treasury. This is part of our overall theme where we break down our conversation into individual topics, but if you want to binge all of them on go, this is the episode for you. Expect to learn what are interest rates, what are monetary and fiscal policy and how they're used to impact inflation, how interest rates and inflation are linked to each other, why are interest rates going up right now and what does all of this have to do with corporate treasury. This was a super fun episode for us to record and we hope you got a lot of value out of it. We had to go into a lot of detail and go through a very long conversation to really understand the topic. So we hope you picked up a lot on it. As always, please do subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you're listening on. Give us a rating as well so that other people can find out about us also and if you have any comments go onto our instagram at corporate treasury 101 where you can dm us for any feedback you might have or send us an email on treasurypodcast at gmail.com and with that on with the episode so Guillaume, um it's been in the news a lot about interest rates, mm-hmm. and I've been hearing a lot about them. Uh, we've been talking also in our previous episodes, interest rates has come up quite a lot. Yes. So we talked about it in our episodes about short-term funding, mm-hmm. short-term investments, financial risk management also had interest rates, because we yep. talked about interest rate, financial risk management. Um, I feel like interest rates is a very core topic to corporate treasury and especially considering banks are the ones that we most associate with interest right yes um so what is the impact of this increase in interest rates we're seeing in the economy right now Mm -hmm. in the world of corporate treasury Mm -hmm. so we agreed on this podcast to talk and focus on corporate treasury topics Uh, and that is a great question you just asked and before answering it, I would suggest that uh, we take a step back and develop on interest rates uh, because it's a very interesting topic to then better understand their impacts on corporate treasury. Sounds good. So then tell me, what are interest rates for the people that don't know? I think most people have seen maybe interest rates in their personal bank accounts. They've Indeed. seen there's an interest rate in their savings account. Mm-hmm. And perhaps when they borrow money, they know they pay interest rates. But what is an interest rate exactly? Exactly. So... Obviously, whoever is lending you money, for instance, Hussam, um, can't use that very same money for at least uh, the period of the loan, right? So even if you're going to repay what we call the principal, so the initial amount lended, that person will make you pay for it. Because not only that same person can't enjoy the money to buy like, I don't know, a car or whatever, uh, but on top of that, he or she can't invest it anywhere else while he or she lends it to you. And the interest rate is a percentage of this principle. So just to get the wordings right, principle mm-hmm. is the base amount you borrow. So exactly. assume you lend me 100 euros, mm-hmm. the principle is 100 euros. Exactly. And then you might want to charge me an interest rate on top of that, mm-hmm. right? That's it. But you know I'm going to repay you. Yes. It's just a matter of time, right? So yeah, you can't invest it, but you're going to get the money back. Mm-hmm. Um, so interest rate is what the cost to you of lending me that money? Yes, you nailed it. So, two interesting points here. First one, that person, or me, indeed, know that uh, you're going to repay, right? You're going to repay me the principal. That's true. But there is always a small risk that you want, right? Uh, You can, for instance, lose your job, uh, get hit by a worldwide pandemic, uh, making your business going bankrupt, fall very sick and not be able to work anymore, and so on. Many reasons, right? 
So my point is, the interest that you're paying are also a reflection, not only of the time while you're mobilizing this money, but also how risky it is for the lender to get its initial capital, the principal, back. And as we already talked about it in the short-term funding investment, uh, sorry, in the short-term funding and short-term investment episodes, which are episodes um, 24 and 28 for whoever, whoever is listening, the riskier, the higher the interest rates. Okay, so that's a very positive picture you're painting. So if, if, everything, <laughs> goes, if everything goes badly, yeah. uh, you always have the interest rate there to, let's say, cover risk as well as the cost of not having the money Exactly. Um, to to invest. Yes. Uh, what about that second part on the risk specifically? Yes. Uh, go more into that. What does that mean exactly? So the point on the risk is that is I'm lending you money. I'm almost certain I'm going to have my money back. But there is always a small chance that I won't. And for that, I'm going to cover that risk by getting more money in return. That's yeah. point A. So it's more worth it to you to take the risk because not only you're just going to get the same money back and you're taking a risk, mm -hmm. but I'll take the risk if, you know, the reward is also greater. Exactly. Okay. That's it. And the second point is, and you mentioned it, um, the interest rate is the cost of money over time. And I would also like to touch upon the concept of time value of money, which is a core principle in finance and therefore in treasury. It says that any amount of money is worth more now then that very same amount of money will be in the future because of what you can do with that money now and because of its earnings potentials. A little bit of jargon here. We also call this the present discounted value. So that's 100 euros in my pocket right now mm -hmm. is more valuable to me than 100 euros in my pocket in a week. Precisely. Because in that week, I might have turned that 100 euros into 110 euros. Exactly. Right, by... I don't know, investing it somewhere. Maybe I bought some, you know, crypto and made 100 euros into 50 euros. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All the other way around. Exactly. 100 euros into 200 <laughs> euros. Nowadays, exactly. So the present value is in the future. If I say, okay, I have 100 euros now, I'm giving it to you. Mm -hmm. I don't have 100 euros now. I'm going to get it in the future. Yeah. So I want back the future value. Exactly. As if I had never given you the money. So if we take an example, it's I have 100 euros in my pocket right now. Mm -hmm. I know if I invest it, I'm get likely to get back 110 in a week. Yeah. So if I'm lending you my 100 euros, mm -hmm. you better give me at least 110. Otherwise, I should just keep the money and invest where I was going to invest. Exactly. Is that how it works? Yeah, that's precisely it. Okay. So there's also not just the potential of um, the money you could have made from another investment, but there's also inflation. Right? Yes. Is that also accounted in this interest rate? So it's not just the net present value from a opportunity lost, mm -hmm. but also things get more expensive over time, right? So exactly. The impact over interest, we're going to come to it a little bit later on. But what's interesting about what you just mentioned in inflation is that 100 euros now is more valuable than in a week because, I don't know, maybe the prices of anything goes up by 2 or 3% by next week. And therefore, with 100 euros in one week, you're able to afford less than you are right now. So this is also to be taken into account. But we're going to come to this uh, a little bit later on. So that's quite a good summary. You just, uh, you just drove. 
Um, let's keep that notion of inflation in mind. Now, just to finish on what are interest rates, I would also like to approach them with the supply and demand principle. So if money can be seen as a commodity, then like any other product or service, the more there is on the market, the less expensive it is to borrow money. And vice versa, the less there is, the more expensive it gets. And by expensive, I obviously mean the higher the interest rate. Okay, so that's... Okay, because we don't think of money like a product. Exactly. Right? So But it is. Completely, yeah. Because you have money as cash, you have money as... Uh, a stock is also money, right? Exactly, so precisely. Your, yeah. The sofa that you have is value, has value, and is therefore could Absolutely. be used as a form of currency. But I want to go... Because this episode is intended for people that are really getting into what an interest rate... They've heard about mm -hmm. it a lot, but I want to separate out these terms. Yeah. So you have interest rates and you have inflation. These are separate things. Yes. Because you know, they both start with in. So <laughs> sometimes you <laughs> might be mistook. Even for I get confused sometimes. <laughs> so inflation is over time, things get more expensive. Yes. Right? So again, it's a big thing in the news right now. Mm -hmm. uh, in you know the point we're recording this in July 2022. Yeah. Interest rate, inflation, sorry, is crazy yes things are getting more and more expensive largely fuel and stuff like this mm -hmm. so the cost of things is going up yes uh on separately interest rates are also going up but that's like set by people so inflation is the market is doing it but yes. interest rates people are setting and we'll get on to why that is in a yes. second but inflation is costs going up interest rate is the cost of money itself yes so if i give you my hundred euros today mm-hmm There's two things I need to take into account. I could have invested that money and made some money back on it. Yes. So I need you to pay me for what I could have made. Mm -hmm. um, but also that 100 euros, when you give it back to me in a week, I can buy less things with it. Exactly. Because things got more expensive. Yes. So these are two considerations that need to be taken into account when I set you my interest rate. Exactly. Is that a good summary of it? That's pretty much a good summary. So you said that also money is a commodity. As yes. Money is like a object which the demand for money mm -hmm. and the supply for money changes over time. Yes. And because of that, you set your interest rate because it's more expensive to have money or mm -hmm. cheaper to have money. That's, that's a really weird term. Okay. So because people don't think about, I don't even think about money like that. Mm -hmm. So how does the supply of money change? You're not burning dollar bills basically right? you better not i mean you can but uh that's, <laughs> that's not the recommendation for sure <laughs> is it like you know money gets lost in the black market it goes out of the system maybe but ah, that's interesting that could be one way you could burn cash you could lose your wallet mm -hmm. i don't know <laughs> it gets you know uh, lost but exactly what's well i'm guessing that's not substantial enough to be say that's how you lose money or the exactly. supply what's the loss of money in so in let's So that's a very interesting question. Let's uh, have a big picture overview. Like, let's take the economy as a whole here and not just you and I who can eventually lose or burn money in it. So, and actually just for the record, money can be destroyed via a specific technique that bank applies. But uh, let's not focus on that for the moment. It can also be taken out of the markets, of the overall economy. In order to get there, let's first tackle how money is created, right? Before, before, because before destroying it, you might want to have to create it. So it all begins with central banks, which are in charge of what we call the monetary policy of their country and or zone, for the eurozone, for instance. We're going to come back to it in a second. 
So we will also come back on the monetary policy, but typically we look at institutions such as the US Treasury Department, which has the ability to create money, and the Federal Reserve in the United States again, which is the equivalent of a central bank. And they both influence the supply of money in the market. Its European counterpart is an institution that you might have heard of in uh, Brussels, is the European Central Bank. It's located in Germany, but it's part of this overall European ECB. institution. Exactly. Yes. Perfect. So, you also might have heard about what we call uh, printing money or the central bank's printing money, which leads to money creations between brackets from the source, right? Now, this is a bit of an out-of-date concept, plus it doesn't exactly work with a printer anymore, but there is some interesting notions to take out of this. Central banks are the ones that are controlling how much money is in the economy. Exactly. As a whole. Yes. So they're the ones that get to decide if they're going to, quote-unquote, print money mm -hmm. or destroy money. Exactly. Right. So they're the ones that are managing the overall supply of money in the economy. Yes. Um, via something called monetary policy. Exactly. Which I think comes up in the news quite a lot, monetary policy, this monetary policy. That. Absolutely. Uh, in the US, that's the US Treasury Department and the Federal Reserve, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then in, in Europe, that would be the European Central Bank. Yes. Uh, difficult question. Are these government agencies? That's a good one. It is not. So they are um, autonomous institutions, separate ones. Obviously, they are linked with the government, so they communicate between each other, because uh, we're going to come to it a little bit later on, but there is also what we call the fiscal policy, which uh, allows more or less how tax and money is set on the market. But they are independent, so they are meant to be taking decisions on their own and make the economy thrive more than anything else. So they are not ruled by government. They do not have, governments do not have an influence of them. Or let's put it this way. They do not control them, but they influence each other indeed. So they're public. They're not private they're, institutions. Though. So they are not private. Uh, I'm a bit out of my comfort zone here. I will say they are public, or at least they act for the greatest interest. Of so the, the interest economy of the economy. Exactly. The, okay. So in that sense, we could say that, yeah, they're... They are like manufacturing the future of the public, the overall citizens. But these are different to banks like Barclays and Citibank and Absolutely. Uh, uh, ING and, and yes. things like we're not, this. We're not talking about the same banks. Yes. These are centralized banks. Clear. Yes. So the way central banks increase the amount of money is not the printers, but they create this money. Mm -hmm. How do they enter this money into the economy? So how does that end up in my pocket as a member of the economy? Yeah. So, obviously, they do not print money directly, right? But there is a notion of freshly created money. Central banks increase the amount of money by buying securities on the market. So, on the um, stock market or any other thing. Securities can actually be any financial product. But they usually buy what we call government bonds or treasury bonds in the United States, which are considered the less risky financial products since they are backed by the governments themselves. This way, with the money that wasn't on the market yet, so they are only at the central bank, those central banks buy those securities and therefore introduce this freshly created money into the economy. So they make money and then they go around buying financial products like bonds. Exactly. Uh, but who are they buying? So they 
take a bond, they give that person cash, which they just made. Mm-hmm. But who's the person? Who are they buying from? And how does that money eventually get into the economy then? So the bonds are issued by the government typically, yes. right? The government says, okay, I need to finance this new hospital. Mm-hmm. I'm going to uh, borrow some money. I'm going to issue a bond. They put it into the market. And then it's different agents, different financial institutions, uh, investment banks, commercial banks, all these uh, hedge funds, all that stuff. Those people that can act on the stock market and on the financial market say, okay, I'm going to buy those bonds. And the central banks then say, okay, I'm going to buy you back these bonds, for instance. Mm-hmm. Or they can buy directly from the government when they issue them. Mm-hmm. Financial institutions, other than the central bank, buy, the, buy it with money already in circulation in the market. Mm-hmm. Whereas the central bank, when they will buy one, they will put money in the market that wasn't there before. Mm-hmm. Is that clear? Yeah, so the government will be creating projects for which they need to fund. Yes. They fund their projects or initiatives or you know, uh, subsidies or whatever mm-hmm. via government bonds. So yes. they create bonds. They say, hey, look, guys, we're going to start this initiative. Um, let's say we want to build a hospital or yep. some bridges or something like this. Uh, so therefore, we're going to issue bonds so that we raise capital for it. We raise mm-hmm. money for it. Exactly. Those bonds can be bought with existing money in the economy, yep. which is from... Private people like you and me mm-hmm. or institutions, right? Exactly. It's um, an investment. Huh? It's an investment, mm-hmm. indeed, government bonds. Yeah. Um, or the central bank can mm-hmm. buy the bonds from the government yeah. from newly made money. Exactly. Therefore, injecting money into the government who then spends it in the economy. Exactly which then puts the money into the economy. The contractors get paid by the government. The materials are bought from co- private companies by the government. So that money enters the economy from government spending. Exactly. Okay, very clear. So what if they want to take money out of the economy? So that's how they put money in. Yeah. They take money out then. And that's where it gets interesting. So they basically do the opposite. Rather than buying securities, so we focused on treasury bonds and government bonds because that's the main product, but it can be any other. So rather than buying them, They sell them. So they are taking money out of the economy, right? They are sitting on a pile of securities, financial products, government, treasury bonds, and others. And now they are selling them. So in exchange for the security that they were holding, they are getting money. But then the money is not on the market anymore. It sits at the central bank, which is its own separate financial institution. And that's how they will do it. Open market operations is the name we give to all this, when central banks buy and sell securities on the open market. Okay, so to summarize, the supply of money, so mm-hmm. how much money is available in the economy, is, uh, is regulated by the central banks. Yes. The central banks um, do that by buying and selling government bonds, typically, yes. or other securities, let's say. Precisely. So they're... Uh, They're making new money into their bank account, let's say. So Mm -hmm. they're authorized to do so. Exactly. And then they say, okay, we're going to go out. We made this new money. We need to go out and spend it so that it gets into the economy. They Mm -hmm. go buy bonds and stuff like this. And then they hold the bonds. And when they decide, okay, there's too much money in the economy, Mm -hmm. they then sell the bonds. So they give people bonds and they take cash out of the economy and hold it. Indeed. So how does all of this link back to interest rates then Mm -hmm. so what's the technical link between buying and selling bonds and Mm -hmm. interest rates yeah so there is this uh supply and demand impact on the amount of money right and we talked about government government bonds sorry treasury bonds for the us we also touched upon the fact that those are the very safe uh 
investment instrument that you can use. And actually, they are considered the safest instruments uh, of investment that you can do. Usually com coming, obviously, at a rather low interest rate. Since it is the safest investment, it can actually be used as a benchmark by any financial institution as the base for all these instruments on which they will add an extra margin. Earlier in this episode, you talked about, okay, um, if my 100 euros now can be worth 110 euros in one week, I'm agreeing to lend it to you, but you need to repay me at least 110, if not more, right? This is exactly the same logic here. Any riskier counterparty than the government should be treated with a higher interest rate. So like business, individuals, financial institutions, etc. will all get an interest rate above the one of the treasury or the government bonds. Okay, so that, but this interest rate is paid to you, not to the bank. What do you mean? So uh, usually we think of interest rates as I'm paying the bank interest. Yes. In this case, the central bank is paying me interest, or the government is paying me interest exactly. for lending them money. Yes. So it's kind of a bit of the opposite. Exactly. So what you're saying is the base level for me to lend you 100 euros, mm -hmm. you need to pay me at least as much as the government would pay me, if not more. Exactly. If you decide to invest those 100 euros into a government bond... I say, know I will get... 2%, let's exactly. say. Exactly. And the government is for sure safer than me. For yes. sure. So if you lend it to me, you'd rather have more than 110 euros yes. at, so the of the, at the end of the period. Makes a lot of sense. So how is that baseline interest rate calculated then? Because if that's the benchmark for the whole economy to mm -hmm. set their interest rates, exactly. how is that base government interest rate set? And now we're going to get into the technicalities, Mayusa. I love it. So let's break it down with an example since that's the best way to present it. Let's take a bond of 10,000 US dollars uh, issued by the government to finance some short and mid-term needs, right? This bond has a maturity of five years. So it's a mid-term uh, need. The government, what does maturity mean? The government commits to repay the principal, so the initial amount of money, in 60 months, in five years. Each year, the government pays what we call a coupon of 500 US dollars, which is the reward for you to lend money to the government. Coupon is the term coming from the very first paper physical bonds, where you had to tear off a small piece of the paper itself, which corresponded to the amount to be paid at the end of a certain period for holding that bond. Which means, at the moment the bond is issued, the yearly yield is 5% what we could call the interest rate, but here it's not the proper technical term, is 5%, right? 10,000 is the initial amount, you get 500. So if you divide the whole, it's a 5% interest rate or yearly yield. But this bond can then be traded on the secondary market, right? If you lend me money, I'm the government, you lend me money, so you hold that bond, but then you can sell it somewhere else and say, look, uh, the government is going to pay me 500 US dollars per year. Do you want that in exchange of a certain amount of money? This bond can be traded on the secondary market, which means the owner of this security can change over the course of the period. For instance, the Federal Reserve, the Central Bank of the United States, can decide to buy some for the reason we just mentioned, after, we just mentioned earlier. Since it is the safest investment, other investors might be interested into owning some as well, right? To diverse and secure their portfolio, for instance. Therefore, the demand can be high 
and the price may increase because there is only a limited amount of government bonds on the market. Now, let's say that because the demand is high, typically the central bank is buying a lot of government bonds, this bond is now traded on the secondary market at 12,000 US dollars. But the coupon will remain 500 US dollars. Therefore, the yield is no longer 5%, but 4.1. And this is the benchmark for all the other debt instruments on the market. So when the central bank buys a lot of government bonds, they increase the price it's traded at on the secondary market, but not the initial amount. And therefore, the yearly yield decreases because the security is worth more. That was a big piece. Is it clear? Mm. Okay, so let me some, try and summarize. Because yes. so many different markets happening at the same time and a lot of percentages changed in that True. description. So I want to make sure I understand this. Yes. I have a bond that the government sells mm-hmm. for 10,000 euros. Yes. Right. The government says, hey, I'm issuing these new bonds. Yeah. Um, I'm going to build a bridge. It's going to cost 100,000. I'm going to sell 10 bonds for 10,000 each. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, give me some money. I need this money to build the bridge. And mm-hmm. the government, you know you can trust me. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to say you get 500 euros a year just because you lent me this money. Yeah. Right? Out That's of each 10,000. Of each 10,000 bond that you buy. Yes. Therefore, if you buy a bond for 10,000, you get a 5% return on that every year. Exactly. For five years. Yes. I'd say. Right? Yes. Now... That you can be very happy with that. I sit with my ten thousand. The government has my ten thousand. Mm-hmm. I have this bond. They're paying me five hundred a year. I'm yeah. happy. Yeah. Or and and this could be me as a person, or in this example, the Treasury Department or the ECB, right? Exactly. The European Central Bank is the people buying the bond. Yeah. But then they're like, well, actually, me as a person, I'm like, I need the cash now, so I'm mm-hmm. going to go into another market yes. where people are buying and selling government bonds, not mm-hmm. to do with the government. Yeah. Say, hey guys, I have this bond. It represents ten thousand mm-hmm. um, with the government. You get five percent a year on it, though. Yeah, so you get five hundred euros a year. Does anyone want to buy it off me for a certain price right now? Yes. Right? Now, if there aren't too many of those bonds in that secondary market, mm-hmm. right? Let's say the private market away from the government, then the price of that bond could be more than ten thousand, right? It could be twelve thousand. Exactly. But if it's twelve thousand, it's still five hundred a year. So instead of a 5% yield, it's this 4.1% yield. Exactly. Because the yield value is the same, but as a percentage, it's lower because the value of the bond is higher. Exactly. So that is, yield is another, let's say, how we call interest rates here, right? So it went from this government bond gives you an interest of 5% Mm -hmm. because it's worth 10,000, you get 500, to this government bond gives you an interest rate of 4.1% because it's 500 on 12,000, right? Exactly. So that way, the interest rate of the government bonds is changing. Exactly. Now, in that secondary market, Mm -hmm. if the treasury wants to, the government treasury, right? Not Mm -hmm. corporate treasury, but government Government treasury. It's important to make the difference. Make the distinction. (laughs) If the treasury says, okay, hey, look, we want to change the interest rates. Mm -hmm. The base interest rate for the economy is these government bonds. We're going to go into the secondary market and either flood it with government bonds to reduce the price and therefore increase the interest rates Mm -hmm. or buy all the government bonds so the price of them goes up because there's less of them and therefore the yield per bond goes up. Exactly. Yeah. Is that a bit... So you can either... So you have these two levels, right? You have the government selling these bonds Mm -hmm. with a fixed yield. Yeah. 
then that enters a secondary market where you're looking as the yield as a percentage of the value of the bond. Exactly. And you can change the value of the bond by having more bonds or less bonds in the market. That's exactly. basic supply and demand. Yep. That's the it. treasury goes into that secondary market and influences the base interest rate using that. Exactly. And so I think, indeed, you're right to touch upon that. Two terms here. So the secondary markets, what I mean with that is where everybody, or more like the financial institutions, can trade and exchange, buy and sell all kinds of stocks, bonds and securities. The first market, the primary market, how we call it, will be where you issue the bond in the first place. Mm. You are Hussam uh, Corporation all around the world. You need to build a new factory. You need to issue bonds or you need to issue stock. So we'll, you will go and meet with a, an investment bank to have them like issue new bonds or new equity shares on the market. And the way that will be done is through the first primary market mm -hmm. because it's new. The secondary market is where those same either bonds or shares, will be traded and exchanged publicly once they have been already issued. Yeah. This is the distinction between the primary and secondary. And the secondary is just what you touched upon, where all the financial institutions, including the central banks, can exchange and trade freely securities. Mm -hmm. Okay, so very clear, Guillaume. I think that's a good overview of how interest rates are set via the secondary bond market by the Treasury Department or the ECB, the European Central Bank, for exactly. example. Are there other ways that they can influence the interest rates? Absolutely. So this was rather macro, um, a macro vision, but it is a used mechanism, especially in the United States with the Federal Reserve. Now, if we look more closely at the ECB, the European Central Bank, for instance, this one is controlling interest rates through three different mechanisms. We need to keep in mind that for regulation and security of the economy purposes, especially since 2008, all the banks, commercial and investment banks, not the central ones, but commercial and investment banks, the private institutions of this market, they all need to hold an account at their dedicated central bank with on it a minimum amount of money. This amount of money is determined by how much money a bank holds in its own accounts, like the money of its customers, basically. The idea is to make sure that, in case of unforeseen events or big withdrawal trends, banks can ensure people will get their money back. That doesn't really answer your question, Sam. I'm coming to it. Now, what is, what is interesting is what happens to that money that the private banks hold in the European Central Bank accounts. First, the ECB pays a certain amount of interest for this money to be sitting in its vault, right? Even if it's a regulation requirement, there are interests paid out of this money. And this is the first interest rate that the central bank can act on, obviously. Fun fact, in the past years, yeah, it's more or less fun, but I like to call it a fun fact. In the past years, this interest rate was negative, which means it pushed the banks to have as little deposit from their own clients as possible. And so pushing and emphasizing the will for investment, putting money into the economy rather than having them sitting in their account. Now, let's say that at the end of the day, a commercial bank figures out that it won't be able to comply with the regulation and has less money on its European Central Bank account than required. It will then need to borrow money overnight. That's something we touched upon into the uh, funding and investment uh, episodes. They need to borrow money overnight, eventually from the European Central Bank itself. 
and this is the second rate the ECB can act on, how much money cost overnight at the very source. And finally, banks can also borrow from the ECB on a one-week period because they have a shortfall for more than just one day. Again, against a certain amount of interest as well. This is the third rate the ECB can act on. Okay, that's interesting. So, um, not only can the ECB... So, this is a very European thing. This is more how the yes. European market works. Exactly. Uh, they not only influence the interest rates by buying and selling government bonds on the secondary market mm -hmm. to uh, influence that yield versus value ratio, which exactly. we call interest, right? Exactly. Um, but also, there are multiple situations where commercial banks mm -hmm. need to borrow money or hold money with the central bank. Exactly. And then they can decide what to charge or give that bank So that way, it's not even just like uh, playing with the supply and demand of stocks, but they really say, yeah, it's 2%, mate. Exactly. Or it's 3%, or it's 2.5%, or it's negative one, right? Yes. To try and drive uh, that interest rate to the commercial banks, which then they build on that base interest rate for their interest rates, right? Exactly. And that makes sense, right? Because if you're the central bank and you say to the banks, look, having money in my accounts will cost you money. And that amount of money you need to have in my European Central Bank accounts is depending on how much you hold in your own accounts. Then you push the commercial banks to invest money. And you push commercial banks to say to their clients, look, rather than having, I don't know, 1,000 euros uh, or 100,000 euros in my accounts, let's invest it somewhere, like invest on a project or invest in a, on the financial market for it to be used as an investment rather than keeping them on your accounts. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they can also push money in and out of the economy that way as well, whilst also influencing the interest rates. Exactly. Very clear. So then, yeah, you gave the very specifics on different ways they can do that. Mm -hmm. There's this minimum. Uh, there's this minimum amount of cash which banks, commercial banks, need to keep in their bank account at all time. Yes. So this maybe more, a lot of people don't know. Like, if I have a hundred euros in my bank account, mm -hmm. the bank doesn't necessarily keep the hundred euros like safe in a vault they might keep five euros of that there. Exactly. Um, and then they themselves go off and invest 95 euros wherever they want to. Potentially. Right, yeah, potentially. Um, but they know, hey, I might come back for my 100% of my value, but mm -hmm. most people aren't going to come back and take all their money out at the same time. Exactly. It's just sitting there, might as well invest it for our own gains. Um, and that minimum hold mm -hmm. is set by the government, which exactly. changed a lot in the... Uh, 2008 crash, right? Exactly. That. Exactly. Um, so that they can influence how much the commercial banks need to hold as a minimum. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, hey, you need to hold it. And by the way, you need to hold it with us. Exactly. By the way, we're going to give you interest for holding it with us. Mm -hmm. And therefore, we can influence it that way. Um, or the other Precisely. ways, like you said, right? Uh, they can change the borrowed If the commercial bank needs to borrow from the central bank, mm -hmm. then they can say, yeah, we'll give you money and we'll charge you this interest rate. Yeah. Would that not come off of the government bond rate as well? So we said earlier that if you charge me an interest rate, you're yes. going to look at the government bond rate. Yes. The Treasury Department or the ECB, the yeah. European Central Bank, isn't going to look at the Treasury bond rate. They're going to look at the rate that they want to have. Exactly. But those two are linked, right? Yes. They're doing all of it at the same time. They're exactly. Different levers, right? Exactly. So it's a further way to reinforce the interest rate. Yeah. Very clear. Um, and through those three interest rates, 
the ECB can either push banks to have as little money or as maximum money as possible. Precisely. So they're also affecting the amount of money in the economy. Yes. Meaning they can push the banks to say, hey, it's a really good idea to invest right now because mm-hmm. the interest rates that we're giving you for storing money with us is super low or negative. Exactly. You need to pay us to keep your money. Mm-hmm. Right. Or the other way around. Hey, we need to slow down investments in the economy. Yeah. We're going to give very nice interest rates for storing money. Exactly. So it's more interesting to store your money. The risk to reward ratio changes, I guess. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So the how interest rates are affected, mm-hmm. I understand. Okay. Good. How, and I hope everyone at home does as well. <laughs> that's a lot. That's a very difficult Yeah, that's con- a lot of It's a very technical conversation. True. Um. How does the central bank decide what the interest rate should be? Ah, so now the why would they do all that, right? Yes. So it comes back to what we talked about earlier, to their monetary policy. So we have to bear in mind that one of the major roles of central banks is to promote a sustainable economic growth, right? They want to have a controlled and predictable inflation rate in the economy and ensure that there are not too much unemployment. For instance, the ECB and also the Federal Reserve at the moment target inflation rate is 2% because this is the inflation rate that they assess to be the one that allows the development of the economy by promoting investments and keep a rather low unemployment rate. Monetary policy is one of the tools to control that. Now, some events might come and disturb all this such as financial crisis or world pandemics, for instance. Okay, so there's this link you just made between interest rates and inflation. Yes. So if we go back again earlier, we explained that inflation is the rising cost of goods and services in the economy. Yes. And interest rates yeah. are is the cost of borrowing or storing money. Yes. Right? Yes. So how are the two of those linked exactly? So let's break down inflation a bit. Inflation is the measure of raising prices and is linked to many different factors. As for a lot of economic factors, I like to look at them from a supply and demand perspective. What makes prices go up? Well, the first reason can be more demand from the customers. So more money in the system means more money available to buy things on the long term, right? The increase, a second reason could be the increase in production costs because of the price of raw materials, for instance. And fiscal policy of one country could also be a third driver. For instance, if certain taxes are cut, it means more money available to the businesses to invest or redistribute to their employees, linking back to the two previous factors we just mentioned. So we are looking at the first factor here. More money in the system means lower interest rates. If you take money out of the system, there will be less demand from the customers. And on top of that, the interest rates will rise and incentivize people to save their money. And that impacts inflation because if the demand for goods goes down, then the cost also goes down. Supposedly, yes. Yes. So the link between interest rates and inflation Mm -hmm. is that if you want to reduce inflation... yeah. You want people to be buying less stuff. Exactly. So the reason is that, so for example, right now we have this global pandemic. Mm -hmm. 
the supply... Coming to an end, hopefully. Yes. <laughs> but the aftershocks, at least, exactly. are still here. Yeah. So the supply of fuel, especially nowadays, mm-hmm. is super low. That is causing the yes. cost of that to go up. Yes. Right? So because of this, inflation, the economy is super high, mm-hmm. largely driven by fuel, but other factors as well. Energy other, and a lot of things. Exactly. Indeed. Um, so costs are high because supply is low. Yes. And demand is still where it was or increasing. Exactly. So they want to decrease the demand of fuel because yes. supply is low. Yes. So to make people use less fuel, let's mm-hmm. say, or to use less energy, mm-hmm. they're like, hey, stop spending your money. Yes. And people are like, hey, I want to spend my money. Mm-hmm. So they say, okay, we're going to make it really interesting for you to save your money. Exactly. Right? So instead yeah. of you spending your money, you're going to want to leave it in a bank and accumulate interest, right? Exactly. Uh, by having a really good interest rate. And we yeah. talked about how they make the interest rate really good previously. Yeah. Um, so they make the interest rate really interesting. Mm-hmm. So people save their money, so they spend less. So the demand for these things goes down. Yes. And therefore, hopefully, the cost of them goes down and therefore inflation comes back under control. So that was the summary you just did, Usam, is perfectly accurate. But we tackle only the first factor, right? We also touched upon production costs and fiscal policy. And they are not directly linked to interest rate, or at least at first sight. But an increase in production costs can be tackled in two ways. You either keep the same amount of product manufactured, and then your costs go up. So you need to pass them on to the customers, right? So you increase the price of your goods. Um, or you lower the amount of product manufactured, and therefore you sell less. But if in the meantime, the customers are incentivized into consuming less anyways because of higher interest rates, the right thing to do might be to lower the amount of good produced. And last but not least, central banks, as we just touched upon earlier, are independent institutions, but obviously work closely with governments. So a favorable or unfavorable fiscal policy will always be aligned with a favorable or unfavorable interest rates policy depending on the direction the government and those institutions want to take for the economy. Can you clarify fiscal policy? So fiscal policy is, for instance, let's take a very accurate example. In Belgium, taxes on salary are rather high. We can, I think uh, we can... I've, uh, I've honestly, noticed, yes. We can honestly say that. <laughs> if tomorrow the government wants you to spend more money, to invest more money into the economy, rather than taxing you, let's take a basic example, rather than taxing you 50% on all the incomes you make, they will maybe tax you 25%, which means at the end of the month, you have much more money available to spend, right? Mm-hmm. So by adjusting their fiscal policy, they can incentivize people to spend less or more money. Let's take the other way around. They want you to spend much less money because inflation goes up to the roof. So they say, bon, look, Hussam, rather than taxing you 50% on your salary, on all your incomes, I'm going to tax you 70%. So you have even less money at the end of the month, so less money to spend. This is rather a basic example, but if you apply that to businesses or to any specific industries, for instance, you can incentivize the amount of money spent into this industry or the amount of money available. Okay. So Does this make sense? Po- so fiscal policy is how the government uh, uses taxation or other v- forms of um, government revenue, let's mm-hmm. say, uh, and government spending to also adjust. At the end of the day, all of this is adjusting how people in the economy or entities or businesses in the economy spend or save their money. 
Yes. I mean, fiscal policy is about that, but also about a lot of other things, right? Yeah. How do you finance and fund the government, for instance? So this is one of the collateral effects, sometimes one of the used tools to drive the economy. But fiscal policy is also basically how to drive the spending and the earnings of a government. Mm -hmm. So it's not only that. It's a whole intricated world we are talking about here, yeah. which makes it super interesting and super compli complicated to tackle. But it's indeed one of the two, yeah. So fiscal policy is more what the government uses yeah. to affect supply of money, amongst yeah. other things. Um, and then monetary policy is what more the central banks would use to affect. And they both work together to exactly. influence um, how much money is in the economy yeah. as one thing, and therefore in, uh, inflation and things like this as well. Yeah. Very clear. So we've gone over all of this. Yes. Why are today interest rates rising? So I have a very easy answer to this because central banks are making sure that interest rates are rising. Okay. Now, why would they do that? They want to slow down the economy a bit right now. Um, now, the more complicated answer is why do they do that now? Obviously, there are a lot of factors to take into account and let's try to cover the main ones here. The world has just been through a global pandemic. We are recording this episode in July 2022. And in order to keep the economy flowing, central banks and governments made sure to inject quite some money into the economy during the pandemic, during the two years, two years and a half of global pandemic. And even before that, since the financial crisis of 2008 and the euro crisis some years later, central banks kept interest rates rather low to stimulate the economy through investment and development. For the Eurozone, we even faced those negative interest rates we just talked about, because the ECB wanted to give a clear incentive to inject as much money as possible into investment, into making the economy grow again. So we are getting out of a period where a lot of money has been injected into the economy. Consequences take time, sometimes a year to occur, to occur as we are just facing right now. And now we are, we are facing quite an inflation, and it is foreseen to continue way above the targeted 2% interest rate, 2% uh, inflation, sorry. On top of that, the price of raw materials and productions of goods have skyrocketed in the last month for different reasons. Some of them will be logistics. It has been harder to get certain materials. Scarcity. We all can think about the microchip shortage we all face. It's something that is a topic for quite some time now. And war. Recent events in Ukraine, for instance, made the world more uncertain and the energy and oil price went quite up because of that. All of this make the prices go up. So inflation goes up and too much inflation is really bad for the economy. So central banks want to fight against that. And one of the tools is rising interest rates for all the reasons we just mentioned. Okay, so to recap. Yes, <laughs> quite important uh, here. Yeah, inflation <laughs> has been very high recently. Yes. Um, but there is this intimate link between interest rates and inflation at all times. Right? Absolutely. So over the last few years, interest rates have been kept very low mm -hmm. uh, to try and keep the economy moving mm -hmm. through the global time pandemic. So where the global pandemic should have crushed everything, yes. um, governments and, uh, and uh, central banks mm -hmm. have been working hard to make sure that money keeps moving yes. and cash stays very available. Yes. Now, they did that by injecting a lot of cash into the economy, mm -hmm. um, 
there's some crazy stats about how much money has been printed over the last two years versus exactly. all the time. Exactly. So lots of money has been pumped into the economy to mm-hmm. keep it moving. Yep. Uh, and keeping interest rates low. Now, everyone knew that would in the future drive inflation, mm-hmm. but it was needed at the time to keep the economy moving through the pandemic. Yes. Now we're on the other side of that where, okay, the economy pushed through, mm-hmm. right? Um, and we're seeing the aftershocks of all of that money being injected in Yes. Um, by having low interest rates, by the way, impacted inflation. And now inflation is... You know, eight, nine, ten percent mm-hmm. in some countries. Exactly. Uh, you know, not just it will uh, be the case. Huh? In, uh, even in Belgium, like for 2023, they foresee six, seven percent inflation yeah. rate, which is three times the target one, which yeah. is which can be quite bad. Yeah, in the UK, it was nine. Voila, so, exactly. Indeed. So uh, the inflation is super high, mm-hmm. and again, this intimate link between inflation and interest rates. Mm-hmm the governments and the central banks are now increasing interest rates yes. to slow down the economy and bring inflation back down again. Precisely. That's the overview. That's a very, very good recap. So interest rates is the lever that governments and central banks use to play with inflation. Exactly. Essentially. Yeah. That's very, very good. Thank you, Guillaume. Guillaume, we've talked a lot about macroeconomics. Yes. We've gone into a lot of detail. You've explained to me very well about how interest rates impact inflation, why inflation is so high right now, mm-hmm. and why interest rates are going up, etc., mm-hmm. etc. We started this entire series about inflation and interest rates uh, because interest rates are deeply connected to corporate treasury. Absolutely. Like we said earlier, um, all the topics that we've talked up until now, we've mentioned interest rates a lot. We've talked about short-term funding, mm-hmm. short-term investments, financial risk management with interest rates yes. in our risk management episodes. Um, it's a very important topic to corporate treasury in general. Yes. So with that in mind, mm-hmm. um, we have all the tools to now understand the impact of corporate treasury. What is the impact of interest rates in corporate treasury overall? You just mentioned all the areas that uh, interest rates play an important role in. So which one would you like to tackle first, Sam? So how about start with short-term funding? Absolutely. So the bad news first. Um, I'm fine with that. So the idea is not to cover here why companies might need short-term funding. But if our listeners need or want to learn more about it, episodes 22 to 24 are the ones you might want to listen Now, obviously, a rise in interest rates will lead to a higher cost of debt, right? So what is the cost of of debt exactly? It is the effective interest rate that a company has to pay on its debt. Since we talk only about debt and not equity here, we mostly look at loans and bonds. Now, fun fact, you can look at the cost of debt before taking taxes into account, but also after. The reason is interest expenses a tax deductible. Very fun fact, Guillaume, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Marisol. So what does that mean for a corporate treasurer? Absolutely. So it means that now that interest rates are rising, when you are going to look at your short-term funding and financing options, you need to be much more cautious about how much that debt is going to cost you, right? Higher interest rates mean higher cost of money. We just talked about it. So you want to think twice before contracting a new loan or issuing a new bond because paying too much interest is a slippery slope towards insolvency and therefore potentially bankruptcy. So also, 
Since interest rates rising can also mean slow down the economy, from a lender perspective, it could also mean that it's more risky to fund your activity. So if I'm an investor and you ask me for a loan, well, it might be that uh, I will be even more cautious before agreeing to lend you money. That's mm -hmm. the first consequence of it. So now we are thinking as a corporate, right? Mm -hmm. And a corporate treasurer in a corporation. Exactly. You are the entity which the government is trying to control. Right? Exactly. So To slow down. Exactly. So if interest rates are high, mm -hmm. you have this choice about, okay, is this initiative that I want to fund really worth it because now the cost of borrowing is so high? Exactly. Right? That so really it. makes you think about it finally. Yeah. So you might want to indeed um, think twice before borrowing money. And you might want to maybe focus on areas of your business that requires less external cash or simply, or simply focus on more profitable business line. This is typically the impact of this monetary policy. Businesses will think twice before borrowing money because the cost of debt is higher now. No, very clear. What about short-term investments then? So, so that's funding. What yeah. about making short-term investments, which is intrinsically linked, right? Absolutely. And this is where the good news arrives. So if you're a corporate treasurer looking at short-term investment, it means that you have an excess of cash or that you are not using this cash on the short mid-term. So that's good news. Um, the business is doing well, or at least well enough to produce an excess of cash that you can afford investing, right? Now here again, we won't go over the different aspects of short-term investment, nor the instruments, but only the impact of interest rates rise on it. If our listeners want to know more about that topic, we highly recommend to listen to episode 26 to 28. Indeed. And then I remember in that episode, we talked about uh, government bonds, for example, being a very good um, short-term investment. Mm -hmm. We said, just to summarize, uh, the main criteria that a corporate treasurer has in doing short-term investment mm -hmm. is uh, safety of the money. Yes. Right? Uh, how liquid it is. Absolutely. And uh, the last one is so the so yield. The yield, indeed. Absolutely. So uh, those are your three criteria. Yes. Uh if you have it in a government bond, for example, mm -hmm. uh, it's very safe. Yeah. It's very liquid because the secondary market is good for it. Absolutely. And you get a good yield if you have a good interest rate. Yes. So it kind of is good news for you. Exactly. And remember, there is less money and cash available on the market, right? This is the whole reason we are getting there with higher interest rate, which means your money is more valuable. So now something else to consider. Interest rates are rising. This is good for your lead. But interest rates rise, the very reason of it, they are rising to serve a greater purpose, to slow down the economy, right? Which means it is potentially riskier to invest your money as well, because if you invest money into something, but the economy is slowing down, uh, the return on investment that you were expecting from this investment might not be as high as you expected. So you may want to pay attention to that factor and select carefully the counterparty you are lending money to. So overall, in, in an economy where interest rates are high, mm -hmm. um, if you don't have cash, it's hard to borrow. It is. And if you do have cash, you could uh, have very good opportunities potentially because Indeed. cash is in limited supply. Exactly. Right. Um, all of this goes very well into the last thing we talked about, which was financial risk management. Absolutely. So what's the impact on financial risk management in Treasury from high interest rates? Yeah. 
Here, we want to focus on interest rate risk management, right? Because we remember that financial risk management also takes into account the foreign exchange risk management. So even if currency exchange rates might be affected by all we just described, the direct impact on corporate treasury concerns interest rate risk management mostly. So you remember that we said the risk about interest rate is when you have loans or other debt instruments, which you pay variable interest on. For those who want to remind about LIBOR and the mechanism here, there is an episode fully about financial risk management and hedging, which is episode 15. But let's say you contracted a loan at LIBOR plus 2%. At the beginning of the loan, LIBOR was, let's say, 1%. So you were paying approximately 3% interest out of your loan. But now LIBOR has just turned to 4% because interest rates are rising. And the total interest you are paying has have more than doubled. This can seriously hurt your business, especially if you didn't hedge, which makes and emphasize how important financial risk management is as a corporate treasurer, because not only you are responsible for this, but you need to foresee correctly what might happen in the coming months and or years and decide whether you need to hedge or not your interest rates based loans. Okay, very clear. And so just to recap again, exactly what LIBOR was in one word. So LIBOR is how much money costs between two banks. If I'm a bank and I want to borrow money overnight, how much another bank, another financial institution will lend me that money for? Yeah. And this is LIBOR. So it's the, it's the interest rate between banks in a way, which again, all of these interest rates come off the base interest rate, which is set by the government bond and this corporate bank. Exactly. Central bank, sorry. Yes. Um, and then hedging is, of course, offsetting your risk uh, of your investments or mm-hmm. of your uh, exposures, let's mm-hmm. say, of which indeed interest rate risk was definitely one that we talked about. Exactly. So not only do you need to consider as a corporate treasurer on your long-term debt, mm-hmm. right, from your short-term funding or et cetera, mm-hmm. um, but also the day-to-day debt, Yes. right? So we talked a lot about in the past episodes about um, if you have negative bank balances, maybe you're covering for those. You yes. have interest rates on your negative bank balances if you're not got a good cash pooling system set up, for example. For instance. Uh, and you have these overnight loans. Yeah. You have overnight investments as well, mm-hmm. which banks can set up. So maybe you're winning there as well. Yeah. So there's all these different scales of time which you need to be thinking about, and especially in a turbulent interest rate world mm-hmm. where we had relative stability on interest rates over the last five years, yes. it was almost yeah, always 0.5%. Mm-hmm. Um, now, finally, we're seeing interest rates go up. It really changes the corporate treasury landscape. Precisely. Hence, the importance of hedging. And your ongoing investment is also affected from that point of view, right? Let's say three months ago, you invested into an instrument that has a maturity of 12 months. So the investment you made, not the borrowing. For the coming nine months, your investment is going to bring you less money than it could since interest rates are rising. And you'd better be off with a new one up to date regarding the market and investment instruments. So it's really a two-way street here, both funding and investment. And it all has an umbrella over it, which is financial risk management, because how do you measure and act on those different changes in the economy? Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So it's an interesting time to be a corporate treasurer. It most certainly is. Business is booming. (laughs) What about banking relationships? I mean, these banks are going through all this turmoil. Your, let's say, commercial bank is in this relationship with the central bank. Mm -hmm. And then you as a corporate treasurer in this relationship with your commercial bank. Absolutely. Um, 
How are banking relationships affected in these turbulent times? So, among all the things we just explained, we saw that commercial and investment banks are at the center of this all, right? They are the intermediary between the central banks and the markets and the corporate treasurer. The rise in interest rates mean that their whole strategy is impacted and therefore the recommendations they make to their clients and their conditions are impacted as well. They will be much more keen to have a lot of your money into their accounts. They will not push for investment anymore because they are getting a lot of interest out of their account in the ECB. So they will incentivize you, look, keep your money at my bank, you will get interest out of it, I will get inter interest out of it, win-win. So And it's safe. And it's relatively safe, yeah. Which, as you mentioned earlier, wasn't the case in Europe, right? You said there was even negative interest rates with the European Central Bank at one point. Exactly. Now, those interest rates that the European Central Bank mm -hmm. is providing to the commercial banks yeah. is positive and quite interesting overall. Exactly. Um, it's, it's a different landscape to what it was a year ago. Precisely. And on the other hand, those banks will make you pay more money for lending you, right? Yeah. As we just described. And not only that, they will be more cautious about whom they are lending money to because there will be less money on the market overall. So you need to keep, but that's a rule in general, but especially in those times, you need to keep a strong relationship with your bank because either you need or have cash, it's Your bank is the driver of all this. I mean, you are the driver, but the bank will be the instrument of all this. Mm -hmm. So you need to keep a close relationship on how you manage all this money and which instrument your banks recommend you. Okay. So to overall summarize then, um, in a period where we're going into now with high interest rates as a corporate treasurer, mm -hmm. your short-term funding is very expensive. Yes. Right? Exactly. Your short-term investing could be quite interesting. Right? Exactly. So if you have cash, great. It's a nice time to have a safe, good yield. Yes. Um, but if you don't have cash, it's a really hard time to borrow. Exactly. And amongst all of this, you need to be very close to your bank because uh, you're going to be hedging a lot of the time and they're going to help you hedge for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but also, uh, they're the ones that are you know, driving with these interest rates and saying, hey, look, yeah, we have some good opportunities or we don't, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, we trust you to give us the money back. So although it's expensive to lend you money and we're going to charge you a lot yeah. to lend money from us, um, we know you can pay it back. So we're willing to take that risk. Mm -hmm. However, maybe with other ones that you don't have as good relationship, you won't have. Right. That was quite a good recap. So. And all of this comes again from inflation being intricately linked to interest rates. Precisely. And the government and the central bank trying to reduce the overall velocity of money in the economy, mm -hmm. right? The speed at which money is moving around and how much is being spent yep. uh, by increasing interest rates. And all these are all the ways that a corporate treasurer would be affected by that. Indeed. Very cool. Thank very you good. very much. Thank you, Hussam.